As a father with both daughters and sons, it was fascinating to see how God made them so different. We, we started with two boys, and we thought our third would be a boy, and she wasn't. And then we had another girl and another girl, and it became pretty obvious. And these are general stereotypes, Danny. I mean, uh, there are exceptions, but m- what we observed was that we just wanted to keep the boys from hurting us or each other too badly. My wife called me one time. She was crying. She's like, I was just reading to them, and they bonked me in the head and hurt me. I mean, the, boys can hurt people just listening to a book. Girls, on the other hand, generally are much, I don't know, they're just quieter. But there are exceptions to the rule. I came into the studio one time with a black eye from one of my daughters. So anything can happen. But those are some general things that I found different between raising a boy and a girl. You've got answers, I'm sure. Every parent who has both knows there is uh, generally a difference. Actually, Danny, let's just open it up here. How do you see the difference in socializing between girls and boys? Yeah, girls tend to be, and this is fascinating to me, John, the way that God has designed the girls and boys differently. Girls tend to have the, the bonding hormone of oxytocin at high levels to begin with, and boys, it's a low level. But it comes way, out when you hit each other, though. <laughs> it comes out, it just squeezes out. <laughs> girls are more uh, uh, just primed to have conversation and to have, uh, being able to talk about a variety of things, their thoughts, their emotions, mm-hmm. secrets, everything that's happening. They love conversation, and they're, they're really designed to be able to have that in a more natural way. It doesn't mean guys can't do that. Uh, and they may be in a home where they've learned to do that in a good way. And you have talker kids, boys as well. Boys tend to have oxytocin or that bonding hormone go up when they're having an experience together, side-by-side time, companionship, having fun together, enjoyment. There doesn't have to be a conversation Whereas for a young woman, having that conversation, that talk, enriches and deepens the bond between she and that other person. So there are those, those nuances, those differences that make a big difference when we're having experiences with a boy or with a girl. Mm-hmm. And again, these are generalities. There are always exceptions to the rules. But uh, let's go ahead and hear more about some of these differences and uniquenesses from Dr. Meg Meeker. And uh, here she is with Jim Daly discussing the longing of young girls' hearts. Meg, let me ask you about young, the young daughter's appetite for spiritual things. I mean, I saw some research long ago that said parents have a 78% influence on their kids, even into their teen years. Mm-hmm. We don't typically believe that because mm-hmm. of the behavior issues and stress and tension between daughter and parent and those kinds of things. But parents have to be the adults in the room, right? And realize that in their heart of hearts, they're still yearning for that guidance and that relationship, even if it's smothered with rebellion. Mm -hmm. It's just this weird time. And I think the right question is to say, how do we understand that as moms and dads? And then how do we apply that so it best helps that daughter, you know, through the heart stuff? Mm -hmm. And how do we encourage their own uh, faith journey Yeah, when it doesn't seem like they could care. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, whenever you see a teenager who's really snarly and is piercing everything she can find, I've done a trick. When I see that kid, the, the more scary they look, the angrier they look, I see a small little girl mm. on the inside 
balled up in a fetal position going, please, 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 mom, please, mom, help me, please, mom, help me. Because every teenage girl that has gotten into a lot of trouble by the time she's a senior, they'll say, you know, nobody cared to listen. Nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. Wow, that is powerful. It's very powerful. And so what girls crave and it's hard for parents to hear is the simple things. Yeah. They want you to look at them and listen and let them know you want their company. You're not always running off to work. You're not always running off to the gym. You're and not I mean a- something to you. And I mean something. Huh. And so not just that I love you, but that I like you. And I want you to go help me change the oil in my car because I just want to be with you. And I want to hear what you have to say. If a parent only did that one thing, said, you know what? I haven't seen you all week. Come sit on the couch by me. Mm. I just want to hear what, how your week was. And be quiet. Yeah. yeah. Don't teach and preach in that. Because if you just teach a child that you want their company, you love them, you value what they hear to say, that would put them 90% on the right path. Because the way we help those kids who are going crazy in their teen years and, you know, kind of wanting to run away from home. The key to getting back on the same track is reconciling a healthy relationship with one parent. Yeah. In fact, in the book, you have a story about a patient. You named her Eliana. She probably has a different name. But what was her story and how does it fit here? You know, one of the great things about being older is that I get to follow kids over a long period of time. So Eliana was a girl that I knew really since a baby. So I knew her whole story. Her mother was not well mentally, and her father didn't live anywhere near. He lived out of the country, and so she really didn't know her father. And around 14, she started to act out. She started to get bad grades. She started dating a guy who was 18. Um, She really started to cry out for help, and her mother had no idea what to do with her. And again, her mother was ill herself. So this girl literally sort of began raising herself as a young kid. So she would come in, and I encouraged her to go in, um, you know, to just meet some Christian friends. And at first she said, I don't want to do that. They won't have anything to do with me because I went to youth group once and nobody talked to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And then one another day she came in and she said, well, I'm gay, you know. I said, okay. So, and I think she was upset because I didn't, you know, jump out of my seat and go, no, 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 you can't do that. She was looking for the response. Totally, totally. She wanted a response. She would do anything to get somebody's attention. So she came back and came back, and I said, okay, we'll deal with that later, but right now I want to deal with you and your heart, okay, because you're really, really hurting here. So we worked and worked, and really by the time she was in her late teens, um, and she kept coming, and one day she came in, and she was particularly angry, and she sat in my room for 45 minutes on my stool, and she just spun around, and she wouldn't talk. And I said, do you want to leave? Nope. Do you want another doctor? Nope. I said, well, honey, I don't really, you're not going to talk to me. What should I do? I don't know. And she kept on spinning. So anyway, kids <laughs> will do anything. Well, long story short, as she got older, I said to her, who loves you? Mm. Mm. Who loves you? What a question. Yeah, 17 years old. I can't believe I didn't ask her. She looked at me kind of funny, and she goes, well, I know my dad doesn't because I never really met him. My mom, I don't know. I, I know she's supposed to. Um, gee whiz, I don't know. Yeah. 
And I said, well, what about God? I don't know. I don't know about God. So that's how we started talking about God. And miraculously, she was very open to hear about them and did learn about Christ. And started to get on the right path and it was so beautiful and she finally went off to college and I'm not saying that I evangelized her but here's my point even a girl who looks so locked down and shut away and and appears to hate people mm-hmm. was so crying out for love mm. and to just be validated and seen you know even if I just yeah. sat there and watched her spin mm-hmm. that was good enough for her Somebody had to take time. And here's the thing that absolutely blew me away. She said, before she left, she said, You know what? Because she went off to college, I really appreciate you being in my life because, you know, you're one of the people who knows me best. Mm. And I probably saw her two or three times a year. Wow. That's lonely. I almost burst into tears. You're the person who knows me best. And, um,. Just like nobody had stopped to talk to No one. Yeah, nobody close to her. Danny, what a moving story about that uh, girl that Meg met with. Uh, Besides not feeling heard, what are some other things, some common struggles of teen girls, and how do we speak truth into their lives? In my counseling practice, the most common ones that I tend to see are the appearance. Just, am I enough? And uh, one out of three tend to struggle with body image issues. One out of three teenage girls, Mm. and in some cases more than others, depending on the state. It's interesting to look into those statistics. It it isn't a surprise. Right now, there's a lot of comparison within social media. Advertisements say how you're supposed to look, and uh, there's just a lot of pressure around that, the appearance, and can I get love through that? The other ones, just girls can be mean to each other. There, There are bullying issues that are truly there and we we kind of use that term kind of loosely in culture right now bully but in this case there are some really intense mean uh dynamics that happen within social media or within the school culture for young women especially when there's jealousy and comparison and insecurity and everyone brings insecurity into the the places that they're in yeah some people know how to handle them some don't and seen a lot of girls try to make up the insecurity and hide it in certain ways, some with appearance, some with um, uh, trying to find love from boys. And, and if a certain boy likes me, then I feel more secure. And it's a false sense of security. And so then the next one would be depression and anxiety and panic. Those three come along uh, with that because there's pressure on the appearance. There's pressure to feel loved and enough and, and belong. And when you don't get that in a deep way, you start to kind of panic or have depression. So it's important to enter those difficult conversations with our daughters, especially dads and moms, each uniquely provide Mm -hmm. some important uh, input into that in reminding them that they're masterpieces of God's creation created uniquely and asking the question, and we've done this before on this in in the podcast, and that is, who gets a vote and Mm -hmm. why did they get that? How did they get so much power in saying who you are and your value? Is that really a person that you want to listen to? Do they have the expertise to, to say that you are a certain way or have certain value? Ask those questions and then ask them, hey, since I would give my life for you, do you think I would lie to you? Because I do see the uniqueness of how you've been created. and I, I do love certain things about you that I want you to know. 
and I want you to know that you're enough. And maybe we need to go on a journey of helping you discover that from a true place, a place that has a steadfast foundation to it, mm-hmm. rather than this elusive place where you're, you're trying to find something you'll never get. And that is somebody that's super insecure, that's comparing, that doesn't necessarily love you or care about you and is trying to find a way in this. Listening to that person, that's going to leave you empty-handed at the end. So let's go on this journey together. Mm, I like that. And that uh, who gets to vote is such a great line. I've used that with my kids. I thought, oh, man, I wish I'd heard that like 20 years ago. Where were you, Danny, when I needed you 20, <laughs> 25 years ago? Good stuff. Well, Meg Minker's book is called Raising a Strong Daughter in a Toxic Culture. And it's one of the best resources that uh, we know of to help you have these kinds of conversations with your daughter. And uh, we're making that available to donors today. Uh, be generous with Focus on the Family. Help us equip parents uh, around the world, literally. And we'll say thank you for your donation by sending a copy of that book from Dr. Meg Meeker, Raising a Strong Daughter in a Toxic Culture. Details are in the show notes. And then we have the entirety of our conversation with Dr. Meeker. It's a free download at our website. And uh, if you've got a girl, you should listen. It's uh, right there in the episode notes. You'll find the link there. And next time, join us. Dr. Kevin Lehman will address misbehavior in the early years of a child's life and what to do about that. For now, on behalf of Danny and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. Thank you.